Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. So, Tim, I'd love to spend a couple minutes on I um, on that financial business literacy because I think it is so important. Sure. So many people struggle in their businesses um, just because they don't understand numbers. You know, the yeah. numbers don't lie. I had someone um, just last week. She had a great business. It was so successful. She decided to expand it, uh-huh. and then it is not. And yeah. I, I showed her her numbers. I said the best path to you for success is we're going to shrink this back to what it was for you. Yeah. Growth is not expansion. It's replication. And she was just like, no, we don't understand. People love the expanded space. I said, I don't care if they love it. Look at your numbers. The yeah. cost of, I said, you are so dependent on hitting a minimum. This business only works at scale and you're having an impossible time hitting scale. Why yeah. would you? When the little business is so successful, make more of the little guys. Not There is no one path. The numbers don't lie. Yeah, they never do. Look at the numbers. You can easily lie to yourself. Be like, no, everyone loves it. I just need more marketing, SD. I just need more outer. I just need more people. I said, no, you need a minimum of hundreds of people on a daily, monthly basis to sustain this. You get one competitor in your space, you are toast. Yeah. This is the most unstable thing. Yeah, I've seen so many businesses fail and go under because they've 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 um, confused growth with with infrastructure growth. So in terms of facility, unless you're in the building in in the business of owning real estate, um, then growing is is you know that's just a cost. Um, and I'm not saying that you know I mean I had to came to the point with my software company where I literally had to buy a piece of land, an old house, tear it down, and build my own building because there was nowhere else where I could put in enough you know proper modern wiring to you know, have local area networks by that stage and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I, you, you have to see them as expenses. The thing that I found that, that, um, that has been a game changer for so many people is, is the, and so few people, business owners do this, is I encourage them to take their basic, their income statement and take four or five pieces of information. Like, so your, your sales, your, you know, your, your direct costs, like your cost of goods sold, like whatever your, if you have a store, it's whatever you buy to put on your shelf. If you're manufacturing something, it's, you know, whatever the cost of the materials that are, that you buy. If you're, um, you know, if you're in uh, service, it's the cost of your people. Yeah. Cost of, the, people of the deliverers, not the, not the overheads and, and the admin. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and could be software as a service tools that are specific to the delivery of your program and stuff. And then you got all the overheads. And the, the beauty of the world right now is that all the, the data for every industry in the world is pretty easily available if you know where to find it. So, you know, if you simply take those percentages and figure out, well, you know, I, I just use this example because everybody can understand a restaurant. Like, you know, it's a simple model to understand. Well, you know, if you have a restaurant in North America and your wage costs are more than 33% of your total sales, you're going to find it almost impossible to have a profit at the end, you know, any kind of money left over at the end of the year. It doesn't matter how many hundreds of thousands or millions you sell. You really can't spend more than 33 cents on the dollar for your, for the, the you know, your wages. Wage, wage, wages. And, and um, you know, and the same thing with your food costs. Like, you know, the numbers are there. And so when you look at space, when you look at the example you're talking about, if somebody is in that planning stages, you know, if you, if you get them, if we get them early enough, all they have to do is project out what's going to happen to their costs. Totally. And then you tell them, okay, you know what that means? That means that in order to keep the percentage at the same level, 
you know, for your, for your overheads, you're going to have to grow your sales by a million dollars or whatever the heck the number is. Then it gets kind of real and people go, exactly. Oh, and this was that exactly that. The rent tripled. The scale yeah, doubled. And I said, you can't sustain that, that that yeah. rent and the staff needed it. It just, it completely, it yeah. shuts the thing down. And yeah, I love that sure. though. So what are the four metrics? I want to break this down. So we had sales, direct costs, overheads. What was the other one? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you know, it's direct costs uh, of materials and I tend to separate wage and I separate wages out from the direct cost of materials. Gotcha. So and wages in, and materials. Indirect costs is what I call them, but they're the overheads. Yeah. Indirect is basically anything else that's mm -hmm. not, that not there. Your wage costs, because the reason for that is that people have a terrible time uh, judging uh, productivity. And, you know, and I'll have so many people, you know, that I go into their business and I'd look at their whatever business they're in and I'd think, oh, my heavens, you know, you're paying 50 percent of, you know, you're 50 cents on the dollar for wages and your competitors are paying 35. You know, you're, you're, go you're going to go out of business. Um, but I'll ask them, how are, you know, how are your employees, do employees doing? And they're, oh, they're the best. They, they're great. They're, they're so, they work so hard. They'll go through walls for me. So, well, here's the thing. The productivity you're getting out of, out of your employees is like 40% less or whatever the percentage is than everybody else's. So either they're not working hard enough or you didn't hire the right people or you're not getting them to do the right things. But any one way or the other, you've got to get, unless they can produce enough product, uh, you know, that will result in more sales, you have to spend, and I, you know, a lot of these businesses will have to turn around and either lay people off or, but you know, sometimes you can actually get a good answer. Like for people in a rural communities, like in, when the summers are so short in, in Northern communities, I should say, when the summers are so short, you say to people, how would you like to take every Friday off in July and August? And, and um, you know, I won't pay you, but you get three day weekends in the, in July and August to spend with your family. A lot of people would delightfully make that trade with you, but you've just cut your wage costs in that week by 20%. You know, Fair, for that one, we got these hourly free. laborers, and you can it's, cut it down. Exactly. Like you know, there's a, a lot of different ways of going at it. But I mean, you're yeah, absolutely right. That. The numbers. I love the way you said it, Esty. The numbers never lie. Never. And you can't fool somebody like you or I if we know that if we know how to analyze the numbers, and it's going to take us 15 minutes. Totally. That's exactly what I do. I have, I have an assistant prep it with them. I go yeah. in, I do a really quick pivot table or if they've got a QuickBooks, I just pull out key metrics. I use a couple more than those three. And well, I'll look like at the balance sheet point, too. point, point, click. I'm like, here, there it is. And the problem's always staring you right in the face. Yeah. It's always in there. Um, so well, here's a cool question. So I never thought about comparing it to industry standards. Like for me, I just look at it. I'm like, okay, problem's here. Yeah. I love the idea that someone could sit and do it themselves. And even if they don't necessarily understand it, they don't need to call me or you. They could say, okay, how do my percentages compare to the industry? But where do they find that information? Yeah. Where do they go? So um, here's the thing. I mean, you know, you have to decide, you know, whether you want to trust me on this or not, but the government of Canada um, has industry. Canada ha takes the tax data from every small business in this country by category. And there's a free website where you let and they use the same NAICS North American in in industry classification system that is used in the United States. It's North American wide. Um, and they, all those numbers are publicly available. Now, some people might say, well, a restaurant in Alabama is different than a restaurant in Toronto. Fine. So percentages are percentages. That's why exactly. we're not looking at numbers. Exactly. So at percentages. I, I it's called the, the, the SME benchmarking data. Um, is that the name it, of the site? Well, no. What you would have to do, if you, if you Googled Industry Canada SME benchmarking, okay. like, it, you'll find it. And you can literally search any NAICS classification code 
um, and it'll come up and it'll say well, whatever you're producing. I had a customer the other day, not a customer, a friend. I was this was just a, a I was helping him, but he's doing making live edge furniture, like with wood with the live edges on it. That's the very end these days, and I could find the costs, you know, the you know things by going in there. Um, you know, sometimes you have to search around to see which would be the most appropriate NAICS code, but it's something anybody can do. I mean, it's, it's, um, um, it takes a little bit of effort, but I mean, if you're working with clients like that, like you're talking about, that's a real value add. I mean, they, you, you would find that they would really appreciate having a, I just, I would just do a chart. That's what I would do. I'd say, here's what you spend on wage costs. Here's what an industry average performer spends. And the point I would always make there is, and this is a point that everybody should think about, who the hell wants to be an industry average performer? Because, you know, that includes all of the companies out there that are losing money and are going to go out of business this year. If you're not, you know, in what I would call a best in sector performer, in other words, above the industry averages, you probably don't have a business that's going to last, you know. And so, but then it allows you to set goals. And, you know, okay, so I've, I see that if I could, people don't realize too, like percentages, they, you know, they look at numbers and they think that a small increase, like a $10,000 increase in sales or something, you know, on a $200,000 business, and they say, oh, that's, you know, that's not very much. But if your net profit in that business was like $8,000 or something like that, and you add another $10,000, you know, to the, you know, to the bottom line, you have, you know, a 250% increase in your net profits from that's that number. a much bigger deal. Totally. It's, and people look so much at sales. I just analyzed a business this week. Um, one of my clients is buying a business and he wanted to know what it was worth and the deal. We went through the numbers. It's a million. The guy did a million and a half in sales 2018, million three 2017, million 2016, 800K. Beautiful growth. Looks growth, great. Yeah, Good. That's the gross. What was his net profit? Yeah. 2016, 800K in sales minus 73 net yeah. profit. Next year, million in sales minus 36,000 net profit. Yeah. Next year, million and a half, he earned 12K. Ooh, guy yeah. wasn't even taking a salary. Okay. Yeah. Next year, thing. million and a half sales minus 48K, real numbers. Okay. Yeah. So you look at that and you're like, I said to him, his business is worth almost nothing, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's worth just the intellectual property, the equipment, the list of customers. <laughs> That's about yeah, it. That's exactly it. And, but the problem is that everybody and people that are trying to sell those kind of, business, kind of businesses always want to get paid for you fixing it and going to make more money. And nobody's totally. going to pay you. Or they, unfortunately, sometimes people are dumb enough to do it. But you shouldn't pay somebody, um, you know, for... You know, Never. honestly, if, 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 if you're, if you haven't been able to pay yourself a wage, then all you're doing is you're not even buying a job for heaven's sakes. Totally. 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 And, and, and uh, this guy was like up in arms. I told my client, I said, listen, you have the best leverage possible, right? The guy wanted him to take over the debts and do this and make him a partner and give him equity. And, 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 and. I said, listen, you say to this guy, we got two choices. Okay. I, I analyzed your numbers. Your business is not worth much. I'll take over the debts. There's like a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt, but the equipment and the people, and there, there was enough in the business worth it. So the, yeah. the previous owner could breathe, said, but no equity, no other payment. That's it. I'll take over your debt so you can breathe. You walk away, it's mine. I said, or option two, nothing. You're gonna bleed yeah. to death within six months. Yeah. And then I'll take your equipment for nothing. I'll hire <laughs> out your staff and I'll start my own. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly it. Yeah. Called the guy, the real story just happened this week. Called the guy, 
he said he was so nervous to, to play hardball. I said, this is not hardball. This is just, That's just truth. This is just truth. He called the guy. He said, the guy yelled at him, said, no way, forget it, hung up on him. Two hours later, called him back, said, deal. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and he had no choice. You know, it's like, <laughs> no choice. When you show it like that, no one with any brain is going to buy this from you. No yeah. one. That's no exactly one. it. And, yeah. and, 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 and I don't have to. No deal. No problem. Don't want to sell it to me for this. Cool. You go ahead. You figure out the creditors. You, you can just bleed out and I'll take yeah. your leftover bones yeah. <laughs> when you're done. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's great. Yeah. And I found that website. I am um, while while we were oh, cool. talking, I looked. Yeah. It's um ic.gc.ca with a bunch of other stuff. But guys, for all of you listening at sdran.com slash 61, I'll put the link to the site. It looks very cool. I'm totally gonna play around here. So Tim, let's talk a little more today. Yeah. Um what are you currently dealing with in this newest business venture? Well, I mean the hardest the, the the biggest challenge, Esty, and it's something that you and I talked about a, a number of months ago. I mean, the you know the podcast doing great, growing well, and everything else. Um, but the you know it, the question is, how does that actually become a business? Because a podcast, you know, um, in and of itself, isn't a business. Um, and there's a lot of myths out there about the ability to you know attract you know big advertising dollars and stuff like that. I mean, if you're Tom Bellio or Gary Vee or some of these really Tim Ferriss they're making, they're doing really well. They're all, they also get millions and millions of downloads um, at each episode. Um, but um, it was an amazing professional development experience for me. And it's when I started to digest all that, I realized that, that I realized that, you know, that, that I had been underestimating my skill sets, you know, as an experienced entrepreneur, I had really gotten caught up in you know, believing that, you know, that my skills were just not relevant anymore in, you know, in this digital economy. And it's so and, not true, by the way. Yeah. Well, I got that approval, but it's so no, not true. Yeah. Well, I, but I don't, but I thank you for it. But, but you know what, it, it, it's something I talk about a lot because I know there's a lot of people my generation and, and even younger that are feeling kind of that way because they keep reading about all these dot-com millionaires and uh, that are just going to be lying on a beach and, you know, doing nothing. And that if you can't figure out how to, you know, do things, um, you know, with some uh, technical wizardry um, that you're not, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. And, and um, once I, so that was the, really the most difficult thing for me to get by. But once I, I, I moved past that, um, what I did was I just took a, a big step back um, working with my mentor. But I mean, I just looked hard at understanding what it is that, I, what have I done that other people uh, might want to do? And at this stage of my life, what I'm really good at is helping leaders transition either from corporate or military service into self-employment. Um, because so you have corporate leaders who have established, they've already got quite a bit of success. And they're saying, there has to be more. I think I'm ready to go out on my own. But I don't know how to, you know, take all those skill sets that I have. And I don't know how to, you know, create something of value. And that's what I did, you know, 30 years ago. It's what I've done, you know, again. Um, now, what's really caught me by surprise, Esty, is because I don't even, by the time this airs, uh, I guess it'll probably, you know, out in the, you know, on my website and stuff like, but right now people don't even know I'm providing, you know, any, any mentoring or coaching services. People are just coming to me. Um, but I'm starting to work. I have a client right now in the, in the West Coast who's former Green Beret. And uh, just just moved out of leadership position 17 years in you know in the in the Green Beret, and was offered all sorts of high paid jobs, but just said I've been listening to people tell me what to do, when to get up, you know, when to eat, for 17 years, you know, and he's got two young kids, and he says I think I'd like to you know try this, but I don't know how, 
so those are the kind of people that I, you know, that, that gravitate to me. It, it, it did take me a long time to figure out where could I make my best contribution. But my best contribution is people that are, you know, that have done really well in different careers and, and now want to look at self-employment and helping them understand it's not the tactical stuff around the websites and the social media campaigns. And, you know, I mean, it, it, we do talk about content development strategies and stuff like that, but really what it's about is, you know, who are you? What are you really good at? What do you really care about at this stage of your life? Because you're going to work your butt off. Um, regardless of what people say, you're going to work really hard. So if you're going to work that hard, what do you care about enough that it wouldn't feel like you were working? You know, if you got Love up and you know, or if you were still working on the weekend and stuff like that. And it's, so it's, it's really rewarding. And, um, um, you know, so what's and it's a struggle in it. Well, I mean, look, like anything that, you know, the first struggle is, you know, is just was for sure figuring out that that was what I should be doing. Right. Um, because I looked, I looked at a lot of different, you know, ideas. I mean, I was very focused initially on helping young entrepreneurs, which I'm still very passionate about. I was at a local entrepreneurship center this morning talking to a bunch of entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs. I do that on my own time. I hire them like to do things for me. But in terms of, you know, uh, realizing that that wasn't the best fit for what I was doing, that's what I really had a, you know, difficult time doing. And I don't think I would have got there by myself. I mean, I, you know, I know that I needed, even after all these years, it was only when I, you know, started, you know, getting some, you know, some, you know, some mentoring. Now, the, the biggest problem, uh, not problem, but the biggest challenge in, you know, in the next stage is twofold. One is, is uh, uh, you know, at, attracting the, the critical mass of, you know, of, of clients, don't think that's going to be all that, that you know, that hard, given it's a pretty broad um, market. But right now it's one-on-one um, and it's very time intensive. So the scaling of it, you know, in, in terms of finding different ways of delivering, you know, programs and stuff like that, while still maintaining the, the human element. I think there's just too much research out there that says around business development ideas that you just can't remove the human mentoring you know, you just can't do it in an online course or you can get knowledge about tactically how to do certain things, but you really have to be talking to someone like yourself or, or me or others, you know, at times to know um, and to ask questions. And when we start to doubt ourselves and, and you know, on all of those kind of things, certainly be something we're thinking about. I'm going to show you a really simple scale. This actually works amazing as a mastermind or a group coaching program. Um, I ran my first group coaching program the past few months. Um, we did our first cohort of Marketing Magic. It was amazing. And I will say I was nervous because I've been doing only one-on-one for years, either yeah. one-on-one or workshops or stage presentations. Never so, something like this. And I was hesitant, but I had heard so much about it. I did a little bit of training on how to do it. And it was incredible. You know, everything they say is true, right? They say that in group coaching, people benefit in some ways more than one-on-one because they hear the questions from other people that they didn't realize they had. They wouldn't have thought to ask, but they needed that answer. They get the support of a group of of other people struggling with the same issues as them, which again, when you work one-on-one, they don't have, you know, and, and what we saw in the program was amazing. Good for you. It, it, and it really works. So you could so easily do a group coaching. Well, I, I'm assuming that I'll, you know, that that'll be the. It's the you know, second the you're ready to scale. It just, it moves yeah. over immediately. Yeah. Um, but you are already a podcaster. Why would you yeah. go over to a podcast targeting that exact avatar? Well, 
Yeah, you see, the thing is, is what's been really wonderful about this podcast, I'm not going to change a thing about my podcast. You know, my podcast is, has always been about shattering self-limiting beliefs. It's about understanding that through examples of amazing people that have overcome you know, adversity, um, that your current situation does not have to define you know, your future. Um, and, you know, and it's about interviewing entrepreneurial leaders. So, you know, you've been on the show, like people that have, have made transitions, certainly. Um, and people, you know, or when I get opportunities to talk to experts like Seth Godin was an amazing thing. I talked to David Breyer, you know, recently he was another, you know, very big name in, you know, in, you know, in the marketing field. Um, so trying to provide, you know, um, stories around the growth of entrepreneurial businesses. So um, in doing that, Esty, what I'm finding is that that, that becomes the, the a vehicle that attracts people to me that are like-minded. Um, and in there, people come to me. It, it's, it's, it's pretty much been an inbound marketing strategy. And but it's a tiny switch. I want to show you a tiny switch. All right, sure. I feel like if, if you were sitting in my chair, you would see it and say it to me. So I want, I want to gift you. All right, thank you. Same show, same name, same guest slightly different angle of questioning in terms of thinking that the audience is those people. Meaning the only switch you'd have to make is in your head, this becomes your audience. You craft your avatar, right? Yeah. And then every guest you have, you talk to them as if you're both talking to that avatar. And guess yeah. what? Then it is. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And that has been almost happening by osmosis, because as I focus on the avatar for, you know, for my business and understanding that it, it, it finds its way into my vocabulary because that's what I'm talking about all the time. Exactly. Um, and then you ask your guests and, questions, you know, yeah. working with the guy who's having this, what would you say to him? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, or if the guest did a transition like that, focusing in on it, yeah. like most of them have. everything without changing almost anything. The yeah, no, exactly. That's like that. No, I agree. It all works. I agree. I appreciate the, you know, the advice. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a, uh, I went all in on the podcast. Like, you know, I'm by the, you know, on May 15th, uh, 2019, uh, there will have been 120 episodes of, of guest episodes. And wow. I now, I now do a Friday episode called Tim Talks, which is uh, myself doing like 10 or 15 minutes on whatever's um, uh, gotten my dander up in a particular week or something. <laughs> that I can, uh, share, but you know, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a hell of a lot of work. And for a great deal of the time, I did it all myself. Like I was doing the editing and the, the little promotional videos that I put up on, you know, on, on, on LinkedIn and everything. Um, but I would say to anybody that, that podcasting, I still think, you know, there's a ton of them out there, but it's not too late. It is not it's too late. Totally to not too late. And, and I actually, I'm working. So my, I hired someone to help me launch my podcast. Um, Daniel Geffen. He was like episode two because I know Daniel. He's been on my show. Right. So I was episode one. He was episode two because I didn't even know who else to invite. I'm like, you have to be on my show. Like, what yeah. else am I going to do? Um, and he and I, we caught together and we made a course, an easy, simple, inexpensive, guiding anybody to how to get on shows and how to cool. start their own show. Because I want. I, I agree with you 100%. It's been game changing. You know, we also just did our, our one year anniversary. And, uh, you know, you and I, we have beat out, I think, 60% or more of podcasters who never get past like That's it. of their episodes. It's a lot of people start, not a lot of people continue. Um, that's exactly it. It's it's a, you know that I had uh, I interviewed Ruben Gonzalez on my show. So he he's the only he's an American, but he competed for the uh, Luge uh, team, like uh, just sliding down the side of a hill on a on ice, um, for Argentina. 
but he did, which is where he was originally born. But he's competed in four Olympic Games across four different decades. So the last um, time he was in Vancouver, he was 47 years old. He's actually going to try for, for 2022 in, you know, in Tokyo to make it. And he'll be 57 at the time if he, wow. if, if he does it. But, you know, when, when the reason I bring the story up, Esty, because, he, you know, he, he just said, uh, um, when I, you ask him, well, how do you do this? He says, well, I just, it's persistence. You know, he was at, at university in his first year of university, at 21 years of age, he was a bench warmer on his soccer team that couldn't even get on the field. And, and um, he found out about the sport of luge and he phoned up the committee, the, the group at the, with the track at Lake Placid and said, um, how do I get trained? And he told them how old he was and they laughed at him and said, if you don't start at age eight or nine, you can't, uh, you never have a chance. But then when he told them he had Argentinian citizenship, they got all excited because they wanted to have more teams at the Olympics to make sure the sport didn't, you know, go away type of thing. But he taught him in order to get to the Olympics, you still had to qualify in the World Cup circuit in the top 50 names. And he qualified four years after he start, took up the sport, he qualifies. Wow. And he says, it's not that I was the greatest athlete in the world or anything else. He said, I broke a bunch of bones and I got back up and I healed and I did it again. And that's what you're talking about here. Like podcasting, you know, it's joyful at first. At times it becomes, you're going, going, going to go through a stage where it feels like a grind and you think, yeah. oh man. Episode like 12, 15, 20, you're like, yeah. okay, that was cute. Like I'm done. Yeah. It's sort of like <laughs> running. You know, I don't run, but my daughter's, a, you know, runs half marathons and stuff. It's like when you sort of hit that wall and in podcasting, that's what most people just quit. Yeah. And if you, if you stick with it and then, and what happens is that yes, you don't feel like nobody's paying attention. Like, and that's the other problem because everybody's going to tell you about their vanity metrics. So if you don't have a million, you know, downloads or whatever, I don't even look at my download numbers more than once a month. I mean, I really, if I look at the engagement, I look at the messages that I get from people saying, great show, I really appreciated this or, or challenging me or, you know, I love that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I would agree if you've got a, a course for people, uh, people should definitely check that out because it, it, it's, it's definitely not too late if you're willing to persevere. If you're just going to dabble with it, then don't bother. Because yeah. you're just going to waste your you time. Won't, exactly. Because yeah. you'll never get traction. You'll be like, you know, fanfare, fluff, and poof, that like a firework, right? Boom, exactly. and it's exactly. gone. And like, yeah. that was fun. That's such a good note to end on. Tim, this has been amazing. I love this. So where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. The easiest and best place is just screwthenaysayers.com. Um, everything's there, you know, the, the, the links to our, 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 my podcast, but you know, for those of you that listen to podcasts, of course, of course, it's just the same name, screw the naysayers, wherever you listen to that. And, uh, I'm on LinkedIn a lot too, as to, you know, it's Tim Allison and Allison with one L and I'm still one of those guys that's really easy to connect with on LinkedIn. So I, I love to, you know, meet new friends from around the world. I live in, I'm still in this little fishing village. So <laughs> I talk to more people every day on, you know, through my podcast and stuff like that, that I would normally meet in a year in my home community. So <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's my global world. That's amazing. Okay, guys, we'll put all of those links at sdrand.com slash 61, including the Canada um, government SME benchmarking data state. Tim's links. I'll even throw in that link to the course of Daniel and I, how to do a podcast. And Tim, I always like to ask my guests at the end, a little surprise for a quote, because I love quotes. Sure. Uh, I know I didn't warn you. It doesn't have to be your favorite quote of all time. It could be just something current. It could be a favorite. It could be a thought. 
Um, but a little, um, a little pithy wisdom to send yeah, everyone a on little, their way. A little, and it's going to go back to that word courage that, you know, that, um, that we used at the beginning. And it's something I wrote down over 25 years ago. It's, it's simple. Know the life you want and have the courage to live it. Oh, I love it. That's a Tim Allison original. But it sums up my, my life philosophy. And, and I, I guess the other thing I would, you know, I would always encourage people to do is to defy conventional wisdom. You know, I mean, that is where the, the path to happiness for most of us is going to come from. If we, you know, if, if we choose not, we choose to listen to our heart and not to what other people are telling us we should be doing. Right. I love it. I love it. That was so great. Thank you. Well, thanks you. I thank you. It was great to talk to you. So fun. So guys, all of you listening, subscribe. Duh. Okay. Obvious. And reviews, please. Feedback, please. Like Tim said, I happen to agree. I haven't looked at my numbers in ages. I, I don't even know what our downloads are at, but I check my reviews. I want your feedback. You can also message me on social, but tell me what you love. And even better, if you tell iTunes what you love, right? Yeah, better. Okay. So stop what you're doing. I know you're busy. I know you're busy. Guess what? I'm busy too. Tim is busy too, but we sat here talking to you for an hour. So you can do me a teeny tiny favor. Take two minutes, <laughs> go on iTunes and leave me a review and tell me what you love and tell me what you love more. And we will see you next week. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Esty. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with Esty Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?